Welcome to the Regista Report. Today is Sunday, July 12th. In case you live under a rock, the United States has a player in the most competitive league in the world, and he is thriving. Christian Pulisic. Club success is one thing, but dominance on a world stage is everything. We're talking the World Cup. Will he be the catalyst behind a rebirth of U.S. soccer? We're going to cover the dreams of the past, our current rock bottom, and the fate of the U.S. national team with wonder kid, Christian Pulisic. I am Joey B, and today with me, as always, is none other than a very special... What's up, everybody? My name is Ben. Benny Ben, how we doing, man? Oh, man, so good. Love the intro, man. Dude, I'm so hyped for this topic. And uh, I've, it's been all week. We've been getting ready, and uh, now we're, we're going to do it, man. Dude, I'm so excited, man. And there's been so many results this week that, you know, there's, there's so much hype around um, everything that we're going to talk about, man. So why don't, you, why don't you get us started, man? Introduce our staple segment and uh, get us going, brother. Yes, yes. This is a lovely uh, sta- uh, segment that we like to start with. It's the something you may have missed segment. So this week, it goes Wales, golf and nap in that order. So against Deportivo Alves, Bale was seen laughing after Zidane used his last substitute, and then he was pictured pretending to nap with a face mask covering his eyes and his legs kicked back. Joey, the, the shithousery from, from Bale right now, is it's unreal, man. What's, what's going on with, with Gareth Bale? So, ben, I was biting my tongue so hard not to laugh during that. Um, but... It, <laughs> You, you played it up so well, and it's exactly that. He's, I think he's pissed off he's not playing, but he has to remember that um, the same criticism was um, directed towards Ronaldo, and Ronaldo dealt with it differently, but he ended up leaving the club. Yeah. Um, and as a Real Madrid supporter, like, you know, you have to love the club above everything else. And he's been shown, you know, playing golf, sometimes favoring his country, uh, showing more desire and stuff for that. So the fans have it in their hearts that, um, you know, his time is done. And Zidane is, you know, dude, if you don't love this club, you know, more than anything else, you're not going to play. Um, but it's disappointing for Gareth Bell to see the position that he's in. And he's, a, he's still a world-class player. But, yeah, man, he's, he's lost the plot at Real Madrid. And it, for some guy that has no love, he will refuse to leave this club. Like, he's the one that's – saying that he wants to stay but nobody wants him there man it's really awkward <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's becoming it's becoming really awkward and almost a little immature from him now like he's he's seen been taking pictures with his with his teammates after practice or something after this like five aside team wins and he's he's holding like he's pretending his old holding his golf clubs like posing yeah <laughs> and of course this was back when when uh when wales uh celebrated to qualify for the euros in 2020 he he held up the the flag that said that you know, Wales, golf, and Madrid in that order. Yeah. So, dude, you, mm-hmm. he's, he's got to know. He's, he's got to be knowing that he's making Madrid fans piss at this point. <laughs> yeah. Just because you're a top-class talent doesn't mean you're going to play, dude. You can't piss off the fan base and expect <laughs> to play the next day. And that's kind of what yeah. he's doing, bro. And, like, yeah. Zidane said last summer, you know, uh, it's better if he leaves. And he, you know, outright said that. And he normally right. doesn't take to the press to say that. But he is, like, the crazy ex-girlfriend that will not leave, bro. He's stuck <laughs> with us, like. Bro, pack your shit, get out, move on. <laughs> like, you don't fit in anymore, man. Yeah. Yeah, time to go. But uh, yep. yeah, that was, that was mine. <laughs> what do you got, bro? Beautiful, man. So this is this is different. This is so different. This is a kid just starting his career. Uh, but the name that you should pay attention to is Musa Jarawa. Um, and so on July 5th, 
Musa, he scores against Inter Milan and he introduces himself to the world. So you have to understand what he did to get to that point only a few weeks ago. But at 14 years old, he fled Gambia for opportunities in Italy by way of a solo voyage across the Mediterranean Sea. And watch, I, f- I truly believe this, Ben, when you have nothing to fall back on, I believe that one is naturally magnetized to what's meaningful in your life, your destiny. Yeah. So the way I pictured this going down, Ben, was Musa, he arrives in Italy, has no family, he's by himself. This kid is playing in the streets. He's nutmegging Italian lads, literally running those pickup games, Ben's for hours. So think of that and you have nothing else. You're not going home. You don't have anything else to turn back to. And this is what football is all about, man. You're outside, you're grinding on those streets. Uh, but he eventually, he starts getting attention from an amateur team. And he's adopted by the coach of this amateur team because he has no family, nobody at all. So he needs a parent to be able to play and register uh, even for an amateur team because he's 14 years old. Um, but on this team, he starts making noise. And eventually a Syria B team, Chivo, he picks him up. So for the reserves for Chivo and uh, Syria B, he scores eight goals in 15 games. Not even 18 years old, Ben. And the lad is hungry, man. Uh, but last summer, Bologna bought him for half a million. And so remember, he's not yet 18 at this point. So they have a long-term vision for Musa. But guess what? On July 5th, he comes on as a sub in the 65th minute. And the ball gravitates toward him. Destiny, man, I'm telling you. And he puts his foot through the ball, same way he did in the streets. And he scores against Inter Milan in the 74th minute. One of the strongest sides in Serie A. Now, Ben, tell me that's not the beautiful game. Dude, that's, that's amazing, man. That's just a, a beautiful rise to, uh, to, for him. And, uh, and what's next for him now? So is he, is, is, as he just came, that was him coming off the bench, right? Yes. Yeah, so he's got some playing time. His debut was against Roma. Um, and then COVID kind of took place and, you know, right. his moment, I guess, got delayed. But, the you know, one of their first games back, he comes on as a substitute, Ben. Left-footed, just a laser. Um, and what a story, man, from where he came from, the opportunities he looked for, man. So just exciting player, man. But hopefully he has a big, big future and just carries on. That's a beautiful story, bro. That's amazing. Jeez. Yeah. So quite incredible, man. But we got something else incredible to talk about. Um, and that's Christian Pulisic. So this week, we're changing gears. The former Pulisic is waking up people in the United States to soccer once again. There is no bigger stage than the World Cup. It's easy to forget, but we are once a side that could compete. Now, let me paint you a picture. The world is standing still. Everything comes to a stop for 90 minutes. All eyes are on the nation that have gathered to compete for the greatest trophy you could ever hold, the FIFA World Cup. If you are weak, if you are superficial, if there are any cracks, you will fall. You will get buried. This is football at the highest level. Now, I'm looking at you, Pulisic, because you are me and you are Ben. And what I mean by that, our dreams and your dreams are the same. We want glory. We want to compete. With the rise of Pulisic, we will discuss the U.S. men's national team and a burning desire for more. Giroud, nice ball. Pulisic, two. The American strikes again. He's been very, very hot since the restart. And Chelsea very much in the box seat. 
So what sparked this topic was realizing that Pulisic is that one player that we've been craving for, right? That playing for that elite European club, scoring goals, making a name herself. But then I realized, dude, what a shame that our national team has just been dog shit. You know, I'm critical because I love this national team. I love the U.S. men's national team. But I know they're capable of so much more. And and now we're seeing, I think, an enormous, growing, exciting talent pool. And so in this episode, we, we asked that question. Can can U.S. men's national team rise to Pulisic's level? Yeah, Ben, he's got a lot to do, man. Um, you know, the U.S. men's national team, we've, we've always had, I would say, like a Captain America type player, where it was U.S., um, where it was Landon Donovan right. and Clint Dempsey. So he has so much on his shoulders. But, I mean, you know, if you look at the World Cup, at least the ones that when we were old enough to start watching, the U.S. men's national team, they were good. And now we're at our lowest peak. So there's an enormous amount of pressure on him. But, I mean, if you can build a team around a player like him, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's a future there. There's an absolute future there. But, and, of course, to know one's future, it's important to learn our past. Um, so I guess what we're going to do now, we're going to uncover two of our favorite U.S. men national team moments that made us believe in U.S. soccer. So, Joe, Joe, you have uh, a one that we're going to start in chronological order here that you have a favorite moment. We discussed this through and through. I think we have so many that we could talk about, but uh, yes. I think the two that we have picked are, are really going to make people excited. Yeah, absolutely, man. So this is the greatest World Cup I've ever seen. None other <laughs> <laughs> than the 2002 World Cup. So, of course, Korea, Japan, they were, they were the dual hosts of this tournament. Um, and to understand the hype around this tournament, it was all about Brazil. And Brazil were at their very, very best. And I'm talking Ronaldo. I'm talking El Phenomenal. So this is a player that's holding higher regards than Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi. I mean, the world has yet to see the likes of a uh, successor to Ronaldo. So I know I'm getting carried away, but <laughs> this is what that World Cup was about. It was Joe Gabinito. But let me rope it back in. In 2002 a United States men's national team that was almost entirely unknown to the world. Well, they came to play. And their first day at the 2002 World Cup, they would not disappoint. So, Ben, let's take a listen. Mastroani, Donovan brings it down nicely. Sané on the overlap. The defender is Jorge Costa. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores! It's 3-0 United States! They're from in Portugal! Well, you could say there was luck involved in the second goal by the United States, but that's not the case on this goal. It was well worked all the way. Landon Donovan playing the ball to Tony Sané on the overlap, and he whips the ball across the six-yard box. The diving header by Brian McBride, and it's unbelievable. The United States leading. One of the favorites, an outside favorite, but one of the favorites, and certainly the favorite in this group. The USA on top, 3-0. Brian McBride, a factor in two of those goals. 
in both cases using his head. On the first goal, his head ball set up a rebound for John O'Brien. This one, he puts it away on his own. Epic match, man. Epic game. Uh, Brian McBride pulled off two uh, great performances to to get us two goals. One one pretty lucky goal, but still, bro, against Portugal, like a, like not a heavy favorite, but they were like like they were a favorite to to at least get through into the deep stages of the World Cup that year. And I think that just set the momentum, right? That just set the momentum for us, dude. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a Portugal side that had. Figo, one of the best players of all time, a guy that played for Barcelona in Real Madrid. He doesn't fucking know who Landon Donovan, Brian McBride is, bro. <laughs> He's looking at this game like it's a chump, chump game and they're about yeah. to dominate us, bro. But that's not what happened. Um, and so, like, you know, we talk about the mantle that Pulisic has. Uh, but look at this 2002 U.S. men's national team, bro. It was their best finish since 1930. They made it to the quarterfinals. And this is, this is the most interesting part, Ben of this team. It was a 23-man roster. 12 of those players came from the MLS. Yeah. So you're thinking, okay, that's, that's more than half. But, you know, some of the other players were on European rosters, but they weren't even in the top flight. So you have to say the bulk of our team came from the MLS. And we have more players in Europe now, but we are a, you know, we're a team that didn't qualify for the World Cup. But to go over that two, uh, 2002 roster, just some of the big names and where they played, you had Landon Donovan on San Jose Earthquake. Brian McBride was on the Clums crew. Eddie Pope was on DC United. Brad Friedel was in Blackburn. <laughs> Dude, yeah. And Demarcus Beasley, Chicago, bro. And Clint Mathis, mm-hmm. the Metro Stars, bro. Um, and this is a team that lost to the finalist Germany only by one goal. And Ben, like you said, Donovan had about 1,500 chances to equalize oh, that game. Oh, my gosh. As we... I, I, dude, I, I, I'm still bitter about that game because Balak did score. So we, we were down 1-0. But Claudio Reyna, I think, plays a free kick. And I forget who, which defender headed it in or kicked it in. Right. But, but dude, it was a handball on a goal line. And we should have had a penalty in that game. Yeah. And we should have had more. Like, we, we, we definitely could have won that game. And every team, from every player down that roster, to me, was just had a chip on their shoulder, you know. They, we, right. Everyone, everyone had an identity. And they didn't care. They were, they were fearless. Yeah, and, it, and it's something that I've, I've haven't seen these and this latest performances from the from the national team, and at least some of the the blunder games that we've seen. Uh, lately. Right, is that is that that identity and just having that chip on their shoulder and knowing that you know just playing out there without fear. So I completely agree. These players they weren't well known at all. You know they were in the MLS, and the MLS at the time was you know the joke of, of world soccer because it was a league that had previous failed and it was just yeah. getting started back up. So to see these players now when MLS is, you know, a rising league, they, they currently also, they play so comfortable, I would say, when they get to that U.S. national team stage. And it's like, dude, what did you do? Like, what have yeah. you won? You know, they're writing their history. Um, and I think to have a player, you know, like Kristen Pulisic that's making strides in Europe, you can build a team around him. Uh, but you also have to go back to the fundamentals. And what do I mean by that? For us to be successful again, in my opinion, we need a United States coach, one that knows our system and our come up. And I have tons of respect for Jurgen Klinsmann and what he did for us. But I think when you bring in a foreign manager, um, it should be on a consultation basis versus a head coach uh, because the system of the United States is so different. It's so different than Europe. Um, and I think our players, like, 
our culture, you, you need someone that can, you can get behind that. Um, and I think, you know, what he tried to do was he tried to favor all the players in Europe, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but the problem is when those players make those moves to Europe, it has to be at the right time. For example, I'd rather have my forward scoring 20 goals in the MLS than struggling to get five and eight in the Premier League, maybe as a substitute, maybe as a player under tremendous pressure. Because when you go into World Cup, you have to be high on your confidence. And if you look yeah. at the two, yeah, if you look at the 2002 World Cup squad, these guys were all playing at their best in MLS. They were exactly. ki- they were killing it. Yo, my my favorite was uh, Clint Mathis, man, coming off the bench with the with his mohawk, and that dude was just like the backbone of America, dude. That that guy was just hungry to play, excited, and you knew like, he had a chance. Like every time he got he, he got the ball, I think he scored some some nice bangers. I remember. Uh, in that World Cup, but uh, then he went on to Germany afterwards. I remember that. Yeah, but, uh, he was just a badass. Badass, he was American badass. So that's that's an amazing story from our 2002 uh, epic run into the quarterfinals. Uh, are you ready for mine, man? Yes, Benny. I can't wait. So this is the game that set off a cultural phenomenon in the U.S. It may not have been the most pleasant game to watch for the eye, but the finale is what we're all here talking about. It's the it's in 2010 when USA beats Algeria 1-0. Landon Donovan scores in the 91st minute. So first, let me give you the buildup. So US drew level with England. They were there. There was the first game of that World Cup in 2010 in South Africa in the group stages. Uh, and then in the next game, we're losing. Uh, two to zero to Slovenia, and we come back and tie that game two two. Edu, Mauricio Edu, should have had a goal, but it was ruled out to a ghost foul. So that was a complete BS call. Again, mm-hmm. I'm still, again, I'm still salty about that. <laughs> but anyways, that leads us to this moment. So Algeria surprised many coming out at us without fear and hitting us at, at post at one point. And U.S. missed so many chances in that game. And you and just had that feeling that it was just going to be one of those games, you know. But in the 91st minute, Donovan pounced on the ball, scoring the goal that would send Americans into the round of 16. And then this put the U.S. men's national team into, like, the collective consciousness of the country like, like never before, man. Howard, gratefully claims it. Distribution, brilliant. Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, but Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not write a script like this. Unbelievable, man. Yeah, because we were on the brink of, of exiting the World Cup. And, and that's, that's what football is all about, man. That one moment where everything can change. And it made us believe, dude. It made us believe in our success um, since 2002 that we're still one of those teams. So for Donovan to put that in, man, was just, oh, man, it, it felt like just amazing, like glorification at its finest, man. Ian Dark had the best call of, the, of, his, of his life in that moment. And I, I hope that he just continues on and calls all the rest of the u.s men's national team up until 2026 uh, until we're, we're we're finally there dude he is he is amazing at our, uh, at his job but that was 
that was an amazing moment for us in, in that World Cup. And I think uh, it, it sparked a lot of talk in the American soccer community. And, uh, and, and you look at that team, too. I think that was more of a blend there at that point. You know, we're, we're in 2010. And in 2012, we reached our, our highest ranking in the world of soccer rankings. We reached fourth, Joey. Yeah, remarkable because we also had a run in a gold cup, if you remember, where we lost to Brazil in the final. Was it the final? I want to say even. So that yeah, we had a confederate. Yeah, this team was high on confidence. This yeah. team was high on confidence because they, they that was the confederations cup that led up to the World Cup in yep. South Africa, where we beat Spain two zero. That's another moment we could have picked, but we beat Spain best and, team in the world two to zero, and we were leading Brazil one zero. Before two, the game was flipped zero. on his head. We no. were, yeah, we were leading 2-0. Landon Donovan scored the second goal. I think uh, Clint Dempsey scored the first goal. <laughs> and we lose in the, in the, in the 90-something minute to a Lucio header. We lose 3-2. But still, still, that was, that was an epic run to the final, beating Brazil at halftime. Um, amazing moments for us. You know, that's, that's the moments we live for. Yes. That's the moments we want to crave for. And then uh, we already talked about, a little bit about it, but like looking at the difference then and now, man, we, we failed to qualify for the past two Olympics, bro. We, we've, we've struggled to play in the hex. And then what do you think, what do you think is our problem, Joe? What do you think our problem was recently as of late, just failing to qualify for the World Cup? In complacency, Ben. For complacency, that's the problem with this team. And also sort of the turnover in management as, as well. I, like I said, I'm, I'm happy with what Jurgen Klinsmann did, but we kind of lost sight of what U.S. soccer was. In 2002, yeah. it was Bruce Arena that was leading the line for us. And, you, you know, he had favoritism um, and didn't necessarily emphasize European soccer over the MLS because, again, it's all about where you're playing, man, and all about the confidence that you have. So I think we had a lot of good players in Europe, but they weren't necessarily dominating for their teams. And in the World Cup format, when you're playing these games, playing against the best of the best, you have to be informed. You can't just be a, a bit part player on a good team. Um, so I think we lo- kind of lost track of, like, you know, our short-term vision too. Yes, we want our players to play for the best teams in Europe because that's where the best soccer is, but we have to have them develop as well. And I think Landon Donovan was a great example of that because he was an MLS just hero. Mm-hmm. And, and Dempsey too came back to the MLS, but when he made his transition to Europe for Fulham, he was their man. He was yeah. their striker. Um, so I think, you know, it's a few things too that, that sort of caught up to us as well and how sort of our youth system um, – I think needs a lot of uh, like revision as well. But uh, for me, that's the biggest thing, Ben, coaching and complacency. We, you know, we automatically thought that we should just roll up to Costa Rica, Jamaica, these type of games and beat these teams. And that's not how these games work, man. It's, you have to put in work every single time. And we just, we showed up to these games thinking we already won. And that was the problem. That was exactly the problem, man. We, we just had arrogance from, from, from across even, even maybe even to broadcasting, I might even say that that there was just arrogance there. You know, when people were calling the games, they weren't maybe calling it out as 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 it was. Is that we were just embarrassing, dude? Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest moments that recently happened to me was when, uh, and the biggest turning point for Christian Pulisic actually, is when we lost to Canada in this inaugural Nations League Cup that they're throwing here, where we lost to Canada two to zero. The first time in I don't even know how many years, bro. Right. But we lose to freaking Canada, bro. And 
I mean, they just outplayed us. Like we just looked, we, we just looked shocked to be there and shocked that they actually knew how to play soccer. And uh, yeah. the biggest moment that happened in that game was Christian Pulisic at 60th minute. He was subbed off. Okay. He was subbed off without an injury. Greg Barhalter said, okay, that's, that's enough from Pulisic. And, and Christian Pulisic is sitting on the bench, dude. And, and you could see his frustrations. He's throwing the bottle down on the floor. He's, he's covering his face and dude, he's in tears. Yeah. And, and this is this is this this uh this past year when this happened, and so Pulisic is in the Chelsea lineup and he's struggling to get minutes, and this is this is um, pre lockdown that we're talking about where Pulisic is, is having through going right. through injury spells, struggling to get minutes, and now he's coming to play for the U.S. men's national team, and and this is what he's going into, and his mindset there, man, had to have been had to have been at his lowest point. Uh, and to go from there, man, like what, what do you think what, what do you think we should have we should do to to see ourselves progress, to get to that Pulisic level? We're gonna get to Pulisic here in a little bit, but closing off, I think, yes. with where we are and where we need to be. Um any ideas into or, or are we on the right path? Is that is that a I right now, Ben, I I would say we don't have a path. We don't I think the biggest problem for the U.S. National League now, you're seeing like a bunch of new names and maybe players you haven't heard of before, but we're not playing a system. Um, we're playing without an identity. And that's the reason, too, we didn't qualify for the World Cup. We, did, we didn't know our strengths. And we certainly didn't know our weaknesses. Um, we, we had a big name in Pulisic and sort of was like, okay, we have Pulisic now. Uh, we should start winning these games. He's our wonder kid. But we had no identity. And if you go back to the 2002, 2006 teams, um, we played to our strength in terms of getting the ball out to the flanks, getting it to our fast players like Beasley. And we had a guy like McBride in the box that was going to win every fucking header that came at him. Because yeah. that's the type of player he was, and we knew that. And when we got really good, before these players started playing like they should win these games, um, our team, the, the core of that team remained the same, and they played the same system. So I, I really think it's important. We're never going to be a possession-based team, um, at least with the playing pool that we have now. Um, but we're an explosive team, man. We can counter with the best of them. We can get out to the flanks to our fast players because I think the U.S. strength always been is their athleticism, their fitness. That's kept them in these big games. So for me, don't change from what you know. Like, it's okay that we can pass the ball. We have more skilled players now, but we still need to come out with that fighting edge. And what I mean, you got to run for 90 minutes. you got to sprint your ass off. you got to be willing to beat the player. You have to have that hunger inside of you. And that U.S. national team recently, they don't have that. We have one player that has that in Pulisic, and he can't do it by himself. Um, but we do have youth coming through the ranks. So my advice would be find the players you're going to trust. Find the players that have the most potential. Put them in the team and play them the system. Let them know each other. Let them learn each other. And, you know, take us into a new era with that because we can compete, man. But we need the right leadership. We need the right player pool. And we need the right future and direction. It needs to be spelled out on a board to these players so, yeah. we, so we get back to where we're supposed to be. Yeah, I think we need a consistent lineup. Like it's every time we see a game, I think it's it's good that we're trying new players out, and I'm happy to see that. But I'm also need to start seeing some some consistency here now. Trust, um, trust in these players, trust in the back line. I think it always starts in the defense, right? Uh, and and that's what we had. I think was one of our biggest strong, strengths too in the past was to just we we defended like our lives depended on it. You know, absolutely. We, we knew. We knew we weren't going to play, you know, maybe the most attractive style of football, but we knew that we could, in the World Cup at least, all bets are off. You know, all bets are off. We, 
we can get a winner. We can get a we can get a, a scrappy goal. We can play with through our fitness and through our strengths. But I think our strengths there was too was our defensive displays, dude. Tim Howard saved our asses so many times. Yeah, and, <laughs> and Brad Fiedel and Casey Keller, dude. But you're spot yeah. on, man. Like these players knew. Um, and it's so difficult to play against a direct team like us because, you know, you get it to the flanks, you play it wide. If DeMarcus Beasley beats that player, you're already automatically in and you're in for a cross. And, yep. and now we're trying to do too many different things that we just don't have, but been spot on, man. Like defensively, we were incredible. And, and that's because we defended as a team, but we didn't yeah. sit back Jose Mourinho bus style. We were ready for the counter. So, man. yeah. 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 Yeah, I was just gonna say we need someone in the midfield that's just gonna bite your arm off. Like, I mean, I, people didn't like Beckerman for a while, but dude, I, I didn't care sometimes when he played because I just knew that dude was gonna do whatever it took to to get the ball back and play it to someone else who could actually play. But yeah, but that's the type of players that we need. So I, I I'm hopeful that we have that. I think we're in a new direction too now, Joey. And this in this year, Brian McBride in January was named the general manager of uh, that's the, a big first step club. and Ernie Stewart was named sporting uh, director uh, for the U S men's national team there too. And for the women's national team. And the reason so, I like that, Ben, the reason I like that is because they know our culture as U S soccer. They know where the leaves are coming from. I think right now you're starting to see success and more European clubs are choosing managers that have gone through their system. Zidane, Solskjaer, Arteta, you're starting to see the changes there too because they just they know what they're doing. And the same thing will apply to us and national team. It's very rare that you see the Brazilian national team coached by a German. You know, and, and like I said, for us, it's great on a consultation basis, but we need to have somebody that, that's been through it with us. So I'd like to see promote more USA coaches um, to be our national team and be the head of it. Yes. I mean, Greg Berhalter, I guess he's doing okay right now. But uh, one name to watch is uh, Jesse March. Sure. He is the RB Leipzig. I'm uh, sorry, RB Salzburg. Almost said Leipzig. Easy to get RB them confused. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I know one of those Red Bull teams. You're right. But he was. He's he's done well. He's he's uh, an American coach. He's young, and uh, man, dude, they, he's playing. The, he's playing the Champions League. He played against Liverpool. He he played with uh, Holland and Minamino. He he's coaching them through the ranks, and they won the Austrian um, uh, uh, championship there in their league. And he's he was he's been in the soccer community. I think wanting people wanting him to take maybe the mantle for the U.S. Uh, Absolutely coaching job, which would be which would be awesome move for him. He's a candidate. But he's a candidate after if if Berhalter stays, uh, well, who knows? But um, great talking points, bro. Great talking points. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And now, I mean. I mean, we have to talk about him, bro. Just the, the the man of the moment is Christian Pulisic. What he's doing for Chelsea is is unbelievable. Um, and you think about, you know, their roster and the financial capabilities that they have. And you think about the money move that he made. I don't think anybody would picture this much success coming from him at this time. Would you agree with that, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our thoughts when we first heard the transfer was like, oh, shit, 70 million for Christian Pulisic, who wasn't playing much for Dortmund, we were a little concerned. Plus, also Chelsea being a club that maybe not develops youth to at that at, at that time, man, I was a little worried. But now, bro, coming out of lockdown, he seems like he put on a little weight too. Like he looks a little stronger. Yeah. And now it's it's, it's complete end product for him. Dude, you know? he's performing, man. And like you said, Ben, Chelsea is a big player killer. It doesn't matter who you are. We've seen him kill so many good players. 
Um, but to see Pulisic and what he's doing right now for that club, he's definitely, in my mind, their best player right now. Um, so we, we have our go-to player for the U.S. national team, man. And uh, Ben, why don't you take us back, man? Like, why don't you tell us a little bit about his background? Yeah, man, he's from Hershey, Pennsylvania, the sweetest place on earth. <laughs> and his parents, bro, his parents are uh, both former George Mason uh, soccer alumni. So, uh, and his dad is uh, was a former indoor uh, and a professional soccer player there too. So he's definitely got a good gene pool there. And growing up, his father was said to that Christian Pulisic is uh, he was known to play with both feet. So you could see in his game that he, when he, recently when he scored against Crystal Palace, he scored with his left foot. And that's, that's something that it's in his locker. And he's surprising everyone too with his pace, I think. So yes. That's, not, that's another thing that's taken into account that like he's just taking everybody by surprise. And it's not just his pace, Ben. It's his first step, I think, is what's catching defenders right now because he'll faint maybe right or slow it down in the way that William does, but he'll pick it up in a split second. So he's so explosive. Yeah, uh, And it's good to see that. It's good to see a skilled player um, doing well for the U.S. national team because we haven't really had a player that's so explosive like that since Landon Donovan. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So, so the hype train really started three years ago, I'd say, or four years ago when he was 17. And the coming in through the ranks with Bundesliga. So at 17, Joe, he was playing against Obama, with Aubameyang, mm. Marco Royce, and Hummels. At 17, an American soccer player playing with the likes of them. Uh, so he goes into it unfazed, bro, unfazed, scoring in one of his first substitution games. And, and then he takes it from there. The, the hype train goes to 1,000 once he uh, hits his – once Klinsman gives him his first national team start. And it took him oh, some while. But his first goal, his first goal at 17, Joey, you know who he scored against? Tell me. Tell me. He scored against Bolivia. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm from Bolivian descent. And uh, that, was, that was pretty funny when I saw that. But, uh, dude – Pulisic is now being he's, – he's getting thrown around and being compared to Hazard after first 20 games uh, for Pulisic. Is that a fair comparison, I mean, right now, Joe? I think it's – no, it's not a fair comparison because Eden Hazard was – he's an amazing player. And Pulisic's on his way to be an amazing player. But, um, he, I mean, he's filling the void that Hazard left, I think, is a better way to say it. Um, but for him to say – you know, to go on and be an Eden Hazard, that's, I don't think that's really fair to him right now because Chelsea, yeah. they're building his squad. But, I mean, the way he's performing right now, he's their best player. He's filled that void that Hazard left. Um, and he has all the potential not to be a Hazard, but be, to be Christian Pulisic in, in the most American way possible, man. And keep scoring goals. And, dude, he's the – when they're countering and they're off, like their offenses are playing well, it's going through him. Yeah. So he's a different player than Hazard is what I'm trying to say. His style of play is completely different. Um, and you know, he's dude, he's doing everything right at the moment. It's, it's beautiful to watch. I think the part of the game that has, that has surprised me the most from him is his IQ, man, his intelligence. He's, he's knowing when to pick the passes and he's knowing where to take his first touch. And at 21, bro, at 21, he's, he's doing this and Amer us as Americans, we love, we love the next big thing, right? We, yep. we, we give that hype up to willingly and Freddie Adu Freddie Adu the <laughs> likes of that we don't want to go down that road never I'm, I was almost a little scared 
you know, before yeah. before this all happened uh, in and talking about Christian Pulisic. But now, bro, it's it's what do you do you think it's fair that we, we can jump on this hype train and not be scared? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think he has a long way to go in his career and it's only what a few games that he's you know, we've really kind of woken up and said, Wow, this kid is good. So I mean he needs to be consistent. He needs to be consistently playing for Chelsea like I had mentioned. But yeah, I think it's okay to be comfortable with Pulisic being on our minds for the next ten years in terms of our national team and him playing at the highest level in Europe. I think he's sort of you know, he knows that game, he knows that system, he grew up there. Um, so, yes, I think he's here to stay. I do not think this is going to be a one-shot wonder where we see him next season and he's just shit. So, barring a serious injury, man, I think he's a player that you build the U.S. men's national team around, and he's going to be one uh, 100% for the future for us. So, Ben, Pulisic, he's, he's no doubt one of the brightest spots in Europe right now. He's performing for Chelsea. Uh, we're there in the top four of the Premier League. So, he's a big-time player for us right now. But how would you say he compares to the likes of Kylian Mbappe or Vinicius Jr. for Real, uh, excuse me, for Real Madrid? You know, like, can he reach a level where the whole world recognizes him, not just U.S. national team, you know, citizens or fans of the game? You know, like sort of what's the height for Pulisic? How far can he go for us? So right now, Joey, I think we're starting to see that there are generational players coming to us very fast at the moment and Pulisic is amongst them and he should think of himself as one of those players he should look around himself at his peers right now and even in the league look at look at Mason Greenwood right right now playing with extreme confidence no fear whatsoever and I think maybe the lockdown might have helped him in in that taking that time to reflect and then maybe playing him with with a a different environment uh, post lockdown meaning meaning empty stadiums uh, playing with just no fear, you know? So I think he is, he is capable to reach any level that he wants to just from, just from the glimpses and stuff that we've seen uh, pre lockdown and now post lockdown is it's different mindset, different mentality for him. So he should think of himself in that class. I mean, think of Foden now too. I think of all these young players, Jaden Sancho, they're all under 21 and and they're killing it and i think he's he's amongst that class right now he's he's amongst that elite world class level type of player I think you're absolutely right, Ben. And the only way that he can make himself better is not just enjoy the ride that he's on, but has to get better and see himself as the same as Kylian Mbappe, as Vinicius Jr., as Greenwood. I think, you, dude, you you hit on it, dude. If he can picture himself, and like you said, without fear in that same category, dude, he has no he has no ceiling for what he can achieve. But it's that mindset, you know. I think when Landon Donovan, it was like, okay. He's a player, a U.S. player playing for Everton, and wow, he's actually doing well. But now, mm-hmm. you know, he just has to carry on and carry the torch uh, for us. So, Ben, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yeah, and for everyone else, for everyone around him who sees this, I think it's everyone's just going to be able to galvanize around him now. And I hope that's the case. I mean, with Giro Reyna being that young, too, and Andreas Adornman, we've talked about him on the pod before, but we are hoping and we're excited to see him rise up guys guys around him in that same age bracket in that that they they should look at Pulisic and see how well he's doing and be inspired because this this is the time now and it's it's now or never and and let's see more of Gio Reyna any any other players that uh, I want to mention is uh Serginio Dest he's an Ajax 
right back who's coming out out of of his uh, uh, deal, ending with his deal here pretty soon. So we may see him at a bigger club. That would be amazing. Uh, Tyler Adams is another exciting one for me that I've seen in the Bundesliga. He plays for RB Leipzig. These are names that maybe you're not even heard of, but you're going to hear from them pretty soon. Absolutely, Ben. And you just saying that, man, made me think of like the bigger picture a little bit too. So you talked about these other players kind of looking at Pulisic and his example. Well, let's take it a step back and thinking about all these young kids, Ben, right now that are maybe like 9, 10, 11, 14. They're seeing a U.S. player making it at the European elite. So that tells them as well, dude, that it's possible for them. So it does so much. It's a trickle down effect. Um, and for Pulisic, he just needs to keep enjoying it, man. And, and, and hopefully we see the fruits of his labor um, in the next generation. But I'm excited, man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. America. Yeah. 100%, man. He's, he's a brilliant player, man. But um, he, I think what he has to do, Ben, is kind of sort of accept the mantle that he's been put on. And he has to own it. You know, he can't be scared to do that. And I think he's the type of player that's humble, but also he's very hungry. And I think that's what makes him so dangerous is that he wants success. Um, Not only for Chelsea, he's proven everybody wrong, all the haters. And I was one of them. I didn't think he was going to do as well as he was doing or is doing there. But, dude, I want him to bring that same success to our team. And uh, he's a gem, bro. He's an absolute gem. Yeah. And and what I I want everyone to hear when when we close here, uh, in a little bit is uh, I have a final interview segment that he gave with uh, Roger Bennett and him and his parents too. I have, have nice little things to say, but something that I think we, we should all be uh, aware of is that I think Pulisic is, is ready to take on this mantle. I think his mental fitness is there. I think he knows what he's up against and we're all, we're all want to be in his shoes. He's living, you know, the American dream at this point. And um, and we're all, I think, cheering on for him, cheering, cheering on for him, and 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 excited to see it all unfold, bro. But uh, this was this interview that you're going to listen to at the very end of our of our of our piece here of our episode. He was 17 at that time. This was uh, when he was at Borussia Dortmund, but I think it plays relevance now, and I'm excited to play that for you guys. But uh, before we leave, Joey. Anything else, any plugs or any shout outs that you want to give? Yeah, shout out to all our fans. Um, you know, Greg Garland, Edric, uh, Jose, Rodriguez, you know, Oscar, all you guys, man. We really appreciate it. So definitely keep tuning in. Um, I, one thing I want to mention too is we're going to be a lot more consistent. So every Sunday, we're going to record and potentially release a new episode on Monday for you guys. So you have all week to listen to. So when you're thinking, okay, when is Regista Report going to drop a new episode? It's, it's consistently going to be on Mondays. Um, so we're very excited about that. Um, so definitely stay tuned. Get excited for Mondays. And, man, we appreciate it, all the support. You guys just click in. Even if you can't listen to the whole thing, man, just please uh, <laughs> you know, stay with us, man, because we love having you guys. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Thank you, our fans. If you, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and give us a rating. And uh, the best thing that you can do is share with you. Absolutely, minutes. guys. We'll see you next week. Have a good one, everybody. I couldn't even imagine it being as far as it is right now, for sure. I'm just really excited and uh... I'm thankful for, for all the blessings and just everything that's happened. Is part of you worrying that it's all happened too fast? Yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a young boy. 
His friends now are 25 years old, 28 years old with kids. You know, he's just got back from his prom. You know, I just hope everybody's patient with him. You know, I mean, he's gonna have good games, gonna have bad games. He's gonna have games where he's just out there and does all right. And that's okay, because that's a player to do. Everyone says, yeah, he's this big American hope, but uh, I don't look at it like that. I'm just like any other guy here. I'm just trying to make it for myself. I'm not doing it for my country back home or, or really anybody. I, I want to do this because it's my dream. Thank you.